I'm really proud of you parents that you train your kids and teach them the Word of God. It's terrific having children not only have the Word memorized, but be bold enough to stand in front of you and say them out loud. I'm just really proud of you parents. Way to go. Just really, really proud of you. Love you. I love you people. Way to go. Uh, (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Proverbs, today's the 11th, so we dip into Proverbs for a quick one. Proverbs 11, 14. Where there's no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. Okay? It's amazing how, um, you know, I've had this this, uh, little, I'm going to do a two-week series right now, and... um, about relationships, and I've had this plan for quite some time. In fact, the, the majority of today's message was, was finished some time back, and uh, yet, uh, and it's about relationships. And here's this proverb that says that, in, it, it, that if, you, if, you're, if you have people around you that can speak wise things into your life, it keeps you safe. And that's really, uh, really the Lord giving us a proverb that really fits the, the, the message for today. We're going to do this for a couple of weeks, this topic for a couple of weeks, and we're, going to, of course, going to have a Christmas message on Christmas Eve. And then I'm going to start a uh, multi-week series about the Holy Spirit. And um, we're, I don't know, don't know what the title is going to be yet. It's going to be about the ghost. Should be kind of interesting, and I'll just let you know where we're going. So, um, so, so today we're going to leap right in, and uh, Matthew, a uh, simple little scripture that you probably have memorized, and that is this. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there with them. The words of Jesus in Matthew 18. Some people have a question about that, that scripture. Does that mean then that if I'm by myself, that he's not with me? Is that what that scripture is saying? And the answer to that is, of course not. That doesn't mean that. The, the word does promise us that he'll never leave us or forsake us uh, in several places in scripture. And yet scripture talks over and over, though, about the fact, about, about, about the power that happens when Christians gather together. There's something special that happens when it's two or more. In the agreement of biblical community, there is something special that happens that's just different than when you're on your own. It's good to be on your own and stand with the Lord, but when you get with others. Today I want to talk about the importance of biblical relationships, the group of people around you that you do life with. The importance and the power there. You know, it's, um, it's uh, significant. The people, when people pray together, when they support each other, when they, when they do life together. And I, I want to say this to you. This is really not so much uh, out of the text. This is just something that's just living in my heart. And I want to say this to you. I really believe that in every single one of you, every single one of you, there's more greatness than you realize. There's more potential than you believe. There are more possibilities than you've considered. It's just sitting there waiting to burst out. really believe that's true. And I know some of you have heard those words now, just right now, and you have just said, nope, and you're like this waxy surface, and the water is just going to run right down your back and drop off. Don't let that happen. I just spoke to you the truth, heavenly truth. There are things in you that are just waiting just waiting. And the Lord put them there with intention and with design. Some of you, for some of you, some of you younger people, there's, or maybe some of you who are more experienced in life, there's a future marriage in you. And in that marriage, there's going to be a glorious union, and it's going to make a huge difference in people's lives. Some of you will produce children, and you'll have the opportunity to produce godly generations. And that's down inside of you, waiting. 
It's just down inside of you. Some of you, there's a ministry that the Lord wants to pull out of you. There's just some giftedness. There's some training. There's some who knows what it is, but there's something in you that the Lord plants just to pull it out at the right time. Right now, he's simmering something, or he's cooking something, or he's adding a dash of this or a dash of that, but he's working it, and it's ready, and it's waiting, and it's coming. Some of you, you have a business vision. You have, a, you have a business sense. At some point, you're going to get brave and you're going to step into something and you're going to produce fruit with your business. I don't mean literal grapes and apples, although that could be. You know, but some of you are going to use the, the strength and the resource that that business produces to feed the kingdom, to care for people, to provide for families, to do things to help people. I believe in every one of you. There is something of untapped greatness, and you just have to be willing to let the Lord let it out of you. But with so many people, there's something missing. Most people, in fact, at least many people are missing something, and that's the right relationships in life. Because I want to say this, and and I'm going to come back to this probably over and over again. You will never do all of the things God wants you to do without the right people around you. You'll never accomplish what God wants you to accomplish without the right people around you. And, you know, you might come back and say, well, Terry, I've got God in my life. Isn't that enough? And I want to tell you that in Scripture, story after story after story, you're going to find places where there's power in the family of God, where God uses his family and uses people. God uses God's people to bring about God's plans and his, his, his outcomes over and over again. You see it all over in Scripture. It starts at the very beginning. Genesis, you know, God says, you know, and you know this Scripture. God said, here's Adam. He's all by himself. And God says, oh, it's not good for a man to be alone, right? right. Help me out. You know, you don't leave me hanging like this, church. I mean, you know, it's not God, good for a man to be alone. Thank you. I mean, and so God says, let's get relationship here. And he says, you know, we need somebody here that can help you find your lost keys and tell you you're following too close. (laughs) Although that never happens in my car. (laughs) We have a little rule um, in our car. She never really tells me where to park anymore because I like to park the last, the very last one out there. I don't know why it is. I just figure, I just hate door dings. Don't you hate door dings? (laughs) Some of you don't care about door dings. Anyway, um, but we have a deal. But she tells me things that I need to hear regularly and consistently. More than you realize. During worship today, she leaned over and she shared something prophetic with me that the Lord had given her. And I know it was, it was something for me personally. And I know it was the voice of the Lord speaking to me. It's not good for man to be alone. Solomon. Solomon said lots of great things. He said, two are, two are better than one. If one man falls down, his friend can help him up. He also, there, he also said, if one can put 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight, which is an amazing form of math. It doesn't mean that two are twice as good as one. It means they're 10 times. It's terrific math. I love that kind of math. And the opposite's true, too. Not only can the right people help propel you in the right direction, but the wrong people can really mess you up. We spent some time in a, in, a, in a series on that, and one of our scriptures was from 1 Corinthians where we said, bad company corrupts good character. So I want to suggest or ask you something. I want you just to think for a minute, and I want you to consider who are the five most dominant voices in your life? 
Maybe they're your five closest friends. Maybe they're the five people you spend the most time with. But if you consider and you can tell me who are the five most dominant voices in your life, there is something there that will paint a picture for you of the, the, the potential and the trajectory that you're on. The five most dominant voices. Show me the five most dominant voices in your life, and I'm going to show you your trajectory every single time. If you look around, you think about it, it's true. Take it, you, can take, you can take, for example, look at that in any area of your life. Let's, let's say at work. Your five closest buddies at work, they don't like where they work. They don't like the job. Nothing's right with this company. It's not fair. The boss is crazy. Can't follow him. Problem, problem, problem. If these are the group that you always are listening to and spending time with and dominating what you hear, you're with a group of people, and because of bad attitudes, you're not going anywhere. It's true. It's really true. You think it through. But if, you're, if your group of people at work are going, you know, things are hard, but this is our covering. Let's follow the leader here, and let's make this a success, because what's good, if we make this succeed, the company succeeds, it's good for us. If your attitude is good, those people are promotable. Those people are on an upward trajectory. Or how about your marriage? If your five closest married friends, the marriages are all messed up, the guys are out doing whatever guys do when they go out, they're chasing somebody that they should not be chasing, and the wives are talking about things they ought not to be talking about, and when they do talk, they're devouring their husbands. If, if these are the dominant voices around your marriage, your chances of a successful marriage are pretty small. But if the marriage is around you, the guys are laying down their lives for their wives, like Christ did for the church, and the wives are coming alongside and saying, what's our vision? Where do we want to go? And they're supportive of what the king is saying to them about their marriage. That's a completely different thing. Power of two or more. I promise you, if that's what's around you, your marriage has way better chance of being a successful, terrific, 41-year marriage, plus counting. Way to go, Mike and Jan. Or maybe your relationship with God. Okay, same thing. Here's, here's the deal. Your five most dominant voices. Maybe all your friends are, this is denigrating, denigrating. Maybe your friends are casual Christians. Or, or maybe they're, they just, you know, they, they claim to be Christians, but they really don't live it out. Or maybe they're not Christians at all. If you hang around with people, if those are the dominant voices, that's going to pull you down. But if the people around you have said, okay, word of God, I'm going to follow this, I'm going to learn this, I'm going to love people, I'm going to value the ways of the king. Um, guess what? You're pointed towards kingdom greatness. So consider the five most dominant voices. You're thinking about it right now. I mean, you know who they are. I have no idea who they are in your life. And five is not the magic number. I just grabbed that. But you consider the five most dominant voices in your life to see where your life is heading. Because when the right people gather together for the right reasons, God is there and he does the right things. For where two or more are gathered in his name, there he is with them. So when the right people to gather, gather together for the right reasons, God's there too and he does the right things. I, I want to talk about today about the power of heart and soul in spiritual relationships that we have with other people. And um, we're going to, for Scripture, we're going to go into the Old Testament a little bit today. And here are the three main players. we got three. King Saul, his son Jonathan, and the armor-bearer. 
how nice it must have been to have a guy who carries all your stuff with you so that when you go on your hikes, you don't have to have a backpack. I mean, full of heavy, weighty. So there's a guy whose job it is to carry your, to lug your stuff around. Ever go backpacking? And, you know, it, it makes you tired. You can only go a certain length of time over a day. And, and because it just weighs a lot. I went backpacking with friends. And the first time I ever did it, we're up in the Olympic rainforest. And first few miles were on a trail. Then we forded across a stream. And then it was over land. We were climbing over windfalls, you know, the, the trees that, that were laying on their side. The diameter of the trees were like five or six feet tall. And we had to climb over those things. And I was crazy. I didn't know about this. I hadn't done this before. My pack probably weighed 60 pounds. That was a tough day. <laughs> it was a tough day. Be nice to have somebody pack your stuff. You wouldn't care how much it weighs, you know, I suppose. Anyway, so there's three guys. You have Saul, Jonathan, and the armor bearer. First Samuel 14 starting in verse 1. Now, here's the background. The Philistines are whooping up on the nation of Israel. They're the bad guys. Philistines are the bad guys. When I say Philistines, you think, boo. In fact, if I say the word Philistines, you should say, boo. That's good. That's great. So, hiss. Somebody's hissing. (laughs) So, um, okay. So they're whipping up on him, and, and Jonathan is looking at this, and he's thinking, you know, I, this is just not right. This is not how things ought to be. So, um, so let's pick up in verse 1. One day, I'm going to do something that pastors do. One day, sounds like nothing, sounds like skip past that. But this kind of leaps off the page. One day, a specific day. There are, this is a day in actual history, just like 9-11. We remember to a day, one day when our nation was under attack. One day. One day. There's a specific date on the calendar. We don't know what it is, but one day, Jonathan, son of Saul, said to the young man bearing his armor, come on, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. (laughs) You're alive. I created a monster. (laughs) Way to go. Philistines. Wow. Philistines. Wow, wow. This is like better than the clicker at home. (laughs) You know, it's interesting that he didn't tell his father what was going on. He just went. Some of you in this room today may have a fractured relationship like that. Maybe some of you... um, you know, I mean, if we would look back at, 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 at Jonathan's situation, today we would call his circumstances, probably we'd call that an absent father, maybe, something like that. And maybe some of you have a dad situation like that, either for whatever tragic reasons, maybe your, your father died when you were young, or maybe he was just not home, he worked somewhere else, and he just wasn't there, and he should have been a dominant voice, or could have been, or maybe your father was there, but he emotionally wasn't there for you. So he wasn't there. Or maybe this was your mom or your spouse or a close friend. Somewhere there should have been somebody that was supporting you and they were absent. And you missed out on something more significant. And the Bible says one day. One day everything changed. Jonathan says, okay, this is it. One day. Might as well be today. I'm sick of where I am. I'm sick of where things are headed. I'm, <laughs> I'm sick of the Philistines, and I'm just not going to stay where I am. One day, Jonathan. And I think for some of you in this room, 
one day could be the day. Because some of you will make a decision. You can say, just like he did, I am going to intentionally seek the right relationship. So we'll see that bit. But, but if you're going to do that, you need to be honest with yourself because really good relationships very rarely happen by accident. They really just don't happen by accident. They take investment. They take sacrifice. They take time. They take commitment. They take a whole lot of choices. Okay, so I want to give you a few thoughts about the right people who are the right people because when the right people gather together, for the right purposes, God shows up and, and does the right things. Okay, so some thoughts about the right people. One, the right people help us navigate obstacles and temptations. Verse 4, let's pick it back up in verse 4. On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Bozaz and the other Sina. Oh, I went past Philistines so fast. Thank you for sensitivity. Yeah. Oh, I said it again, didn't I? I said it. Okay. It's time to stop doing the Philistines boo thing now. <laughs> it's my fault. I realize it. Okay. So there's two, there's two cliffs on either side, and they have names. Now, this is interesting. It's, 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 it's interesting to me um, because I'm weird, I suppose, but also because why would the Holy Spirit include details like that in Holy Scripture? Because I really believe there is, no, there is nothing extra here. God didn't have some leftover names that he felt like it would be better if he just added them. There is a reason for every word, every jot and every tittle. Everything that's in here, I believe this is a complete word of God. And there are reasons for it all. And so sometimes I get to be in my bonnet and it's time to check things up and find out. Okay, so the names of two cliffs. What are the names? Why? And I wouldn't necessarily make doctrine out of what we find here, but isn't it interesting what, this, what these names of these cliffs mean? Bozes literally means shining glistening or slippery, a slippery slope. The other side, senna, literally means thorny. So there's a pathway up the middle. It's narrow. And on one side, there's a slippery slope. On the other one, there's thorns. What a great picture. How could a preacher not preach that, right? I mean, you you got to give me grace for that. How often... When you are on a pathway somewhere that you know the Lord wants you to go, maybe you're not even on it yet. You just see it and you know it. And you know on one side or the other, there's something slippery slopes of temptation or the thorny obstacles that hell always wants to fling into your pathway. If you don't have the right people in your life, you're moving towards what the Lord wants you to do. There are these risks because you can get proud or you can get greedy on some business proposition and make a big mistake or you can be somewhere and see someone that you ought not to be seeing and looking at and get an attraction that you shouldn't have. And then that's when having the right people in your life there make all the difference because they can speak encouragement to you, they can give you advice, they can kick you in the tail feathers when you need to be kicked in your tail feathers. And all of us need to be kicked in our tail feathers sometimes, gently, firmly, whatever. It, 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 well, maybe not you, but I need it occasionally, right? No, you don't have to agree. Yeah, Eric. Yeah, yeah, you do, Terry. That's right. It's the same thing with obstacles. You run into challenges sometimes, and you think, okay, I don't know how to get across this, these thorns. I really don't. 
And I think that probably today, sitting in this room, there are untold challenges that you're carrying with you, some of you. They're secret. Maybe you haven't shared them. Maybe other people know. I think there are people hurting here. There are people in need here. There could be, in some cases, even though you are surrounded by people, you might feel lonely and alone. You might be thinking things like, I just wish other people knew what was going on, what I was facing. I wish other people cared. I wish somebody would help me know what to do. What's missing? The right people. Because the right people will help you navigate those issues. Now, it would be real easy as I'm walking down this trail with you for us to be always thinking about ourselves. The right people could help me sort this out. I want to suggest to you that some of you are the right people for somebody else. The Lord will use you as the right person. The Lord will grant you wisdom. Be available for that. Be available for that. Okay, so the right people help us navigate obstacles and temptations. Number two, they help us overcome wavering faith. How many of you Christians, sometimes you have really strong faith, and sometimes your faith isn't so strong? Are you brave enough to show me your hand? Me too. Me too. Same thing with Jonathan. Same thing with Jonathan. Let's look and see what happens to him. Verse 6. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised fellows. In other words, let's attack. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Perhaps the Lord will, will act. But in other words, I'm not quite sure. I kind of think he will. I'm not quite positive, but I'm kind of thinking there's a little bit of wavering there. Can you hear it in the words? But then he says, nothing can hinder the Lord from saving. You see faith, then you see some uncertainty, then you see some faith. And that's how I live sometimes. Sometimes that's what's going on. Sometimes that's my struggle. I say to Lisa, hey, I, I really believe God wants me to X, Y, Z, I think. <laughs> and God's moved me to do that, I hope. You know, you could do this. You could, here's, here's one approach for sorting that out. Get yourself a basketball. Get yourself out to the center of the court. And say, okay, God, if you really want me to do this, it'll be nothing but net. And fling the ball. That'd be one approach. I don't know if that's the best approach, but it would be one approach. If by chance the ball goes through, here's what you're probably going to do. You're going to go, wow! Now, was, am I that good? Or was that luck? God, how about two out of three? I mean, you can take that approach... Two out of three, God, I wouldn't suggest it. I think instead what you need are the right people, people who know you well enough to speak God's wisdom to you. Maybe you have vision. Maybe you have a dream. Maybe you have something special, and you haven't stepped out, and you just need the right people around you to say, hey, there's something burning there, and you need to fan that flame because it's good. The right people are so important. Then the third point, and I think this one is, this is the significant point of the message today. I hate it when pastors say that, so I don't know why I just told you that, but this is really important. This is, this is the, the, the central part. What makes them the right people? Number three, the right people are with you, heart and soul. I'm not talking about, I'm your Facebook friend. Okay? I'm not talking about, I follow you on Twitter, so let's do life on 140 characters or less. This is not a real Twittering group, I'm guessing, from that response. But I mean, I'm not talking about Facebook. 
Nothing wrong with Facebook. That's not what I'm talking about. Have you been unfriended on Facebook? I have. (laughs) You know, and I I took exception. I appealed, and I was refriended. But here's the thing. This was someone I don't really have a relationship with. I knew him in high school. I connected with him for a week on Facebook, a few messages back and forth, and then he unfriends me. I said, hey, what's the deal? He says, well, we don't really spend time together, and I'm cleaning up my list of people. And, and I said, yeah, but come on. You know? And so he, so he refriended me. I said, oh, that's better. And we haven't communicated since then. (laughs) I'm apparently not the right person in his life. Lives out of state. And I'd like to uh, refresh relationship with him. But that's not what I'm talking about. And I'm not talking about this picture. Harvested off the internet. In fact, it probably came off of some chain email one of you sent me. <laughs> Might have been you. I don't know. Okay, so, so Jonathan says, let's, let's, uh, let's go do it. Let's, I think we should. I'm a little bit afraid, but come on. Let's, let's go and confront this. And as, Here's what his armor bearer says, verse 7. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead. I am with you. Heart. And soul. I'm with you, heart and soul. Whatever God puts on your heart, I'm with you, heart and soul. From the deepest part down in here, I'm with you. I'll stand with you. When you're afraid, I'm going to stand with you. When you're stupid, I'm going to stand with you. When you need a sounding board, I'm going to stand with you, heart and soul. I'm going to stand with you. When you're praying, I'm going to pray with you, heart and and soul, I'll be there. It's down in me. You can't get it out of it. I'm going to be there, heart and soul. You know, when you go through tragedy in life, you need heart and soul to stand with you. We do. You need it. You know, your daughter comes home and she tells you she's pregnant. Or your child has a drug problem. The last thing you need is some holier-than-thou Christian saying, well, if you would have been a better parent, or there must have been sin in your... I mean, the last thing you need is that. What you need is someone who, with heart and soul, looks at you and says, you know what? We're going to pray through this together. With heart and soul, we're going to get counseling to help figure this out together. I'm going to stand with you. What the enemy meant for evil, God will use it for good. Heart and soul, I'm with you. That's what you need. You don't need a holier-than-thou church person. One day, if your marriage is on shaky ground, what you don't need is your close married friends. You don't need her saying, okay, well, I'm with her because I'm a girl, and he's with him because he's a guy. That, that just continues a wedge. What you need is another couple who comes along and says, I'm not for you or you. I'm for both of you. I'm for your marriage. I'm for your tomorrow. I'm for all of the promise that the Lord had. I'm for the things that were down in your vows. I'm for what the Lord wants to bring out through the couple of you. And you stand for the marriage. 
That's what they need. Heart and soul. We need, they need people to say, I'm going to stick with you. I'm going to be in your face. I'm not getting out of your grill. We're going to walk this through. Heart and soul. Lisa and I um, have some uh, very close friends. Some of you know, will know who these friends are because of the circumstances. But a number of years ago, um, we had a circle of friends, uh, a, a group that we spent a lot of time with, other young married couples. And you know how you get relationships like that. And uh, um, one day we learned that the wife um, had been diagnosed and she had a tumor in her eye. And um, it was bad, a bad diagnosis. The diagnosis was, you are going to for sure lose the eye, you're probably going to lose your life. And um, I think we were early 30s probably. And there were several couples who were part of this social group of the right people, the right marriages. And um, all of a sudden, all of us were facing really our worst fears. No married person growing in the Lord, raising children, little ones running around the house, should hear that their spouse is going to go home. We shouldn't have to hear that, it seems like. It was a hard thing. It It was a fear for us. Two choices, heart and soul, or retreat away because it's scary. So we stood with our friends, and um, doctor's appointments, tests. I remember when, um, when she went into the hospital, and um, the decision was to remove the eye because it, otherwise the cancer would spread for sure. <laughs> and sitting in the hospital bed, there she was before the surgery. And one eye had to come out, and on her forehead above that was a big X. So the doctor wouldn't take out the wrong eye in surgery. And the savage difficulty was so hard. <laughs> and and uh, this has been decades ago, and it still just breaks my heart thinking about it because they love each other. And, and so we stood by them. And we went through this process, and the Lord took her home. And, and I don't have the answers to the questions. I know that I love them and love the Lord and trust in all that. But we also decided we weren't going to allow our friend to stand by himself. And we weren't going to stand by and watch him blame God, alienate himself from the author of life, alienate himself from any true hope, heart and soul, we and a number of other couples walked through with this guy. It was hard, but he needed us. And he got through it, and we got through it. And I can tell you now, I can look back, and this, this friend of ours is still a close friend. He's married another wonderful woman, and he has, to this day, continued to walk into a deeper and deeper relationship with the Lord, as do his children, heart and soul. That's what the body of Christ is supposed to do, heart and soul. Not living together in some commune somewhere. <laughs> you know, that's, that's not what heart and soul means. It's when the rest of the world looks on and says, how do I get in on that? That's authentic. 
These people are walking through the hardest thing possible and something in them is making a difference. How do I get in on that? If you don't have the right people, I promise you that your potential is very limited. The missing ingredient for some of us is the right people because you'll never do all that God wants you to do without the right people around you. I love the language of Naomi and Ruth where there's this conversation between the two and they say, where you go, I will go. You know that story, right? In fact, a lot of us, you know, you've probably heard that in weddings. Where you go, I will go, I will follow you. You know, all those wonderful romantic. It's really appropriate for a wedding. But, you know, this is a little bit of a rabbit trail and I kind of chuckle when I think about this. It's two chicks talking to each other. Just, just in case you were thinking about using it. If you're going to do a wedding here someday and you want me to do a wedding and you want to use those, probably not anymore, but if you want to, if you want to use those, I'll gladly use them because they're great, but it just makes me chuckle that it's two chicks. But they're saying, heart and soul. Heart and soul. That's kind of assumed in a marriage. And it's good to be heart and soul in a marriage, but what's beautiful is when in the body of Christ, it's heart and soul. When you have the choice to just not be around because it's scary, and you say, you know what? Heart and soul, I'm with you. Heart and soul. That's beautiful. God told Moses to stand up, and as long as he had his arms in the air, the Israeli nation was going to prevail in battle. How long could you keep your arms up? When you put your arms down, people die. You'd want to keep them up. What the word says is that two guys, Aaron and Hur, came along. And they stood there and held those arms up, heart and soul. Some of you don't have the strength to make it through what you're facing right now. You're sinking. Maybe you're sinking in debt. Maybe you're going the wrong direction. Your children are going the wrong direction. Maybe you're in the category I described earlier. Maybe you're a cultural Christian. You're a Christian because you go to a church, but it's not really making its way to how you live your life. What do you need? You need heart and soul people around you. You need heart and soul people to help you carry the load. Your objection might be, well, I just don't have time. I don't have time to form these relationships and these friendships. I don't have time to start another group. And I got to tell you this. I, don't aff- I, I can't afford not to have the time. This is my Terry personal comment. I can't afford not to have time to invest in heart and soul relationships. You can't either. That's good. When I look when I just make this observation about the Christian community at large, maybe the two most gaping holes I see, problems, is people think they're too busy to invest themselves and people have the wrong people speaking into their lives. If the five most dominant voices in your life are not lifting you closer to the king, then your possibilities are capped. But if the right people are there, and they're inspiring you with the truth that's in this, lifting you up in prayer. Well, two are better than one. One can put a 1,000 to flight, two, 10,000. If you want stronger finances, get around people who handle their finances biblically. If you want a stronger marriage, get around people who have strong, godly marriages. If you want to be closer to God, get around people who walk closely with the Lord. And then just work through issues. If somebody does something and hurts you, forgive them. (laughs) Don't take your Bible and say, I'm done with you. I'll go find a different church. Don't do that. Grow up. I mean, (laughs) wow, did I really just say that? (laughs) Don't do that. 
Don't do that. The closest relationships in my life, we've gotten nose to nose, grill to grill sometimes. And it's because we've gotten past those moments. And yeah, we've hurt, I've hurt people and they've hurt me and we've done things. But you, but, but you have to work through those things. You have to press past. Maybe in your circle of close friends, the right people, maybe there's also somebody that's really annoying. Love them. That's what the word says to do. That's how you will grow. By loving those that are around you that are annoying. And if in your group, you're so fortunate that nobody around you is annoying, I have a secret for you. It's probably you. (laughs) For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Let's pray. Lord, my prayer...